Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. The Christmas spirit is creeping in just about everywhere now, and in case you're struggling to find the good amidst all the negative, the major news outlets push, it's a good time to go local with your news at this time of year, since they often share the stories that build community. And to quote Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation, nobody's leaving, nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we are all in this together. So thank you so much for joining me once again on What She Said, because I have another show filled with amazing women from across the country to share with you today. No matter where you fall on the financial spectrum, my first guest is here to help us all prepare for 2024 when women in Canada will control just over half the wealth in this country to the tune of $3 trillion. Kelly Keene's new book, Rich Girl, Poor Girl, hits bookshelves December 14th, and she joins me today to share some of the topics she covers, from discussing finances with your partner, to negotiating the salary you deserve, to controlling your financial destiny. You definitely do not want to miss this interview. In RBC, She's the Boss this week, I speak with Chantel Carter. Chantelle's passion for uplifting women of color through fashion caused her to develop a diverse skin tone intimates line called Love and Nudes. This brand is more than just fashion, it's a social movement connecting women and celebrating the beauty of difference. Anne Brody joins me for a quick Saturday Night at the Movies Roundup, which includes the much-anticipated Don't Look Up on Netflix, with a stellar cast that includes Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, and also on Netflix, The Gut-Wrenching, The Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock. She also shares part of an interview she did with Gemma Wellen, who plays Detective Sergeant Sarah Collins in The Tower, playing now on BritBox. The cannabis industry continues to grow in Canada, and 34% of graduating university students are interested in pursuing a career in this field. Becky Griffin never imagined she'd end up working in cannabis when she was pursuing her degree, but now finds herself shattering glass ceilings in the C-suite and stereotypes around cannabis working for Molecule Inc., a up-and-coming cannabis beverage company in eastern Ontario. We are all feeling the strain on our wallets these days, and there is a return to good old-fashioned couponing happening. Kathleen Cassidy is an extreme couponer, freebie lover, and a financial friend who runs Living on a Looney on social media. Every week, she takes her followers through tips and tricks of how to save money in Canada and even get stuff for free. She joins me this week with some easy-to-follow tips for getting the best deal at the checkout. Finally, with Canadian women living longer and longer, the question is how to ensure we all have the quality of life we want to accompany the quantity of time we're getting. Chloe Richardson is a health enthusiast focused on whole body preventative aging, working with Jevity Life Science and Body Comp Imaging to enable the public to feel supported and empowered in living their best life for many years to come. She joins me today to share why health is our true wealth. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region.
Canadian women will control nearly half of this country's wealth by 2024, an estimated $3 trillion. Are you ready? My next guest wants to get you there. For decades, Kelly Keene has been a trusted voice for sound personal financial advice. Kelly is a sought-after guest speaker, media personality, and best-selling author of 11 books. Her newest book, Rich Girl, Broke Girl, published by Simon & Schuster, will be released on December 14th, 2021, and she joins me now to share some of the highlights you won't want to miss. Welcome back to What She Said, Kelly. Great to be with you again, Candice. So this is a timely book, I think, for women, especially coming out of this pandemic. There's been some uh, wealth lost, uh, although we are two years away from apparently controlling more than half of it in this country. So what are some of the topics you cover in this book that women should really, really know well? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, unfortunately, studies still reveal, Candice, that women are not fully leaning into their finances. Now, That is, you know, painting with broad strokes. There's lots of women that are stepping up to the table. Um, But the shocking number that we came across, that I came across when when researching the book, was that 42% of female breadwinners are still deferring to their spouse when it comes to financial matters. So we really want to change that number, especially with women, you know, as you said, setting to, you know, being set to control so much more of, of the wealth. So what we cover in the book, you know, I think, dare I say, is kind of fun. Um, it's, you know, it's not the typical textbook of what is a TFSA, what is an RSP. Uh, you know, we've got 10 chapters with with really diverse characters, um, you know, ranging from everything from, um, you know, one of one of the characters accidentally moving in with her her um, girlfriend and not realizing how quickly she became almost in the position of being like married, right? Just like moved in during the pandemic or, you know, um, divorce, not leaning in and claiming the wealth that's surrounding her. If it's negotiating her salary, uh, leaning into grants and tax advantages and employer benefits, we're actually leaving three to four billion dollars of employment benefits on the table every single year. So what readers will find is uh, a lot of really interesting characters that I hope they can see themselves in many, if not all, or parts of them. You know, their mishaps, the lessons that I want them to learn, and then, of course, the happy ending once they employed what it is that that we wanted them to learn financially. So do you give women uh, a script or some ideas to follow? Because I think inherently these these conversations, for some reason, are very hard for us to have. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that. Um, actually, I've been interviewed a number of times where we actually did create scripts. Like, you know, exactly how do you ask your boss for a raise? How do you um, have that conversation with your kids or your spouse when it comes to finance? And I don't have a Canadian stat, but in the U.S., just to give you an idea, 41% of couples don't know what the other one earns. Like, how can you get on the same page financially when you don't know what your spouse earns? So yes, the book is peppered with, you know, ways to kind of see how these characters and, and maybe maybe the reader them, themselves can see where, oh gosh, yeah, I didn't even realize that that's a conversation that I needed to have or how to have it or where to go and get the support. Uh, or the skills to to increase your confidence to do it. And yes, we do walk the reader through all of that because you're right. Sometimes it's like, okay, you know that you need to have the talk with your spouse or employer, your kids, whomever, but how do you have it? How do you start it off 
and 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 how do you move through sometimes very uncomfortable conversations? Let's talk about financial goals for a second because I think that we realize we're supposed to be doing all these things, but it can seem very um it's huge. It's huge task. So how do we break it down into manageable chunks? Yeah. And I mean, that's really, I like to look at it like health, Candice, because that can also be very overwhelming, right? Like if you find yourself in a position where you really didn't pay attention to your health, maybe there's a health scare. Where do you even start? Do you start with diet? Do you start with exercise? What do you do? It's very overwhelming. And it can be the same with finances. Maybe a person finds themselves in their 40s or 50s or, or even late 30s with a lot of debt and they haven't started saving. And, you know, they just don't even know where to start. We, we definitely walk through all of that and how to really chunk it down, how to also use your technology and your digital calendar to help kind of get it all out there. Um, and then, you know, hold yourself accountable either with a financial professional or if that's not possible or feasible or not just a, a route that you want to go down. Certainly there's the DIY aspect. But the most important part is knowing what you don't know, uh, getting that all out. If it means just things like getting it all out of what you owe, when those minimum payments are due, how much is due, uh, getting it in your digital calendar so you're always reminded, the automation. Now, this sounds like a lot, but we're going to walk you through step by step of what is the most important, then tackling the next thing next week, next month. Uh, there's no magic formula, right? It's really, it's kind of like what I say, again, if it were January 2nd and you were wanting to get in physical shape, you would have to do three things. You'd weigh in because you got to know where you are, pleasant or not. You would start counting your calories and you would probably reach out for some type of help, going to a doctor, personal trainer, nutritionist. It's the same with our finances. You've got to weigh in, figure out where you're at. You've got to track your financial calories because that's if you're if you make a lot of money or you don't make a lot of money, where that money is going is super important. And lastly, is knowing when to reach out to the professionals. If it's a, an accountant, a financial advisor, your banker, a, a nonprofit credit counselor really understanding when you need help and uh, how important it is to reach out because we wouldn't self-diagnose when it comes to our health, but we certainly do when it comes to our finances. I know a lot of women are listening to this and when they hear, you know, addressing your financial health and saving money, they feel that it equates to no fun in your life. What would you say to them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't count my actual calories and I generally don't count my financial calories. However, I do do it twice a year. And that's where I have my 30-day anti-budget challenge because like diets, I don't think budgets work. Now, for those that are listening that do budget, they've got the spreadsheet. My general manager, she loves to track her numbers. That works for her. That doesn't work for me. I don't find that fun. But what I do do and make my husband do with me as well is every 30 days, we just get really mindful about our money. We track everything that we spend. And this doesn't have to be a big ordeal. If you bank with one bank and you use one credit card, one debit card, they're going to do a lot of that tracking and categorization for you. So the first part is it's an exercise in behavioral awareness. You just want to be aware, like, where's your money going? Um, then what you want to do is see the categories it's going into. Because when we look at traditional budgets, you know, if someone says to you, you should only be spending, I don't know, $500 a month on groceries and eating out, but your family's spending seven. What's the likelihood you're actually going to stick to 
what quote unquote the budget should be. So you want to really make this personalized for you. Then you multiply it by 12. So you see what you're actually spending throughout the year. Now, this can be a huge eye opener. And it is for me every single time. Like how much are we spending on subscriptions? How much are we spending on whatever it is? It might be, you know, debt repayment. It might be, um, you know, entertainment, whatever it is. There's no judgment. It's about choice and awareness. And you simply, you know, go through and go, hmm, wow, you know, I thought I had no money for an RSP. I thought I had no money for a vacation. I thought there was no money here. But in fact, if we just, you know, scale back a little bit, wow, that could produce another few hundred, few thousand dollars a year. So again, not about sacrifice, not about a foregoing fun. It's just about, do you know where your money's going? And would you still choose to have it go there in the future? And you don't have to do it every day. Just do it for 30 days, once or twice a year. It's, it's a huge eye opener. Well, I love that this book is out December 14th because it sounds like the perfect gift uh, to give to a woman in your life. So where can women women find uh, Rich Girl, Broke Girl? Yes. So you can find it uh, in stores on December 15th. You can find it on Amazon, Indigo Chapters, and of course, your your favorite local bookstore as well. And you are always sharing stuff on social media as well. Uh, so where can people connect with you online? Yeah, awesome. Thank you at kellykeen.com, Kelly Keen on Twitter and Kelly Keen Biz on Instagram and Facebook. Incredible. Kelly, thank you so much for uh, joining me. I can't wait to read this book. Oh, thanks, Ken. It's so great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Getting intimate for today's RBC She's the Boss profile. Chantelle Carter is an entrepreneur who has worked in the fashion industry for over 20 years as a stylist, image consultant, and magazine style director. She is also part of Centennial College's Fashion PAC Program Advisory Committee, which helps to inspire programs with relevant learning and training beneficial to industry practice. Chantel's passion to uplift women of color through fashion caused her to develop a diverse skin tone intimates line called Love and Nudes. This brand is more than just fashion. It's a social movement connecting women and celebrating the beauty of difference. She believes apparel and cosmetics should be accessible to all in a manner that allows them to celebrate their skin tone and personal style. Welcome to the show, Chantel. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Candice. I found you through a friend who recommended Love and Nudes to me to be featured in this series. And I have to tell you, I am so blown away by everything about your company. What inspired you? Was there a flashpoint where you said, I have to start this business? Well, first of all, bless your friend's heart <laughs> for helping us to connect. And uh, yeah, well, it wasn't a flash, but it was like a need that like I had and I couldn't fill 
And because I was so entrenched in fashion, I, I grew up with fashion. My mother worked in the garment industry in Montreal, so I was always around it. So I was very, always very creative with my dressing and my clothing. And then when I became a stylist, too, I, I noticed that um, new trends were spoken about frequently. And uh, whenever they would uh, feature a new trend, it was, it was mostly just beige. And I kept waiting to be acknowledged to show for them to show like the fashion magazines and fashion shows like fashion television and fashion file to show different types of nude. But it, it seemed to be only being, it was only defined as beige. And I thought something was wrong with that, especially because I wanted to wear what I wanted to wear. I, I had lace. I loved lace at a, to- at the, at a time. And I wanted it sometimes to look like it was my skin underneath the lace because the lace is see-through and I could never achieve that look. I always had to compromise and um, wear either whatever the color of the top was, but I didn't always want that look. I wanted it to look like it was my skin and I wanted new shoes because I knew what it did. It would make my legs look longer, but I, I didn't have that option. And I thought that was a problem. It is. And, you know, I think about this and I, I mean, I'm a white woman. I never had to, I never had this problem, this feeling, but I, I am looking out across the landscape now and I see things like, you know, um, Crayola coming out with different skin tones and um, Rihanna, uh, she has a makeup line with all, with, is it Fenty? Yes, Fenty. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and then your, your line. And I think how wonderful it must be right? To see, see these now on the shelves and accessible to people. I mean, that, do you get feedback on that from, from customers? Well, yes. And there's still a way to go with, with, uh, with love and needs in, in regards to my product. But yes, like more um, inclusivity is popping up and it is appreciated because it's so important for people to see themselves, you know, in, in, in products, in uh, services and everything across the whole landscape. If you're only seeing one type of person being featured, then it subconsciously tells, tells us that if you don't look like that, you're not relevant and you don't matter. And it's a lie. And I wanted to challenge the status quo of the, uh, the fashion industry. You know, that nudist is, it goes beyond beige. It's, it's, Absolutely. It, the wearer skin tone, whatever that is. And to please, can we get products that look like that? <laughs> that you shouldn't have to ask this question. That's, that's the part that drives me crazy, right? Um, how has the pandemic affected production for you? Oh, well, it, it was really rough. The, the, the pandemic um, had its silver lining, which um, it made people, it forced people to get more comfortable with shopping online and that was great. So I increased sales during, during the pandemic when there was panic, oh my gosh, nobody's going to buy anything because, you know, there's not, we don't know what's going to happen. But in regards to supply chain, so after your, like my products would run out, it was, it, it was impossible to replace it with anything because there was COVID issues. I was producing in South America, so it, it didn't work. I, it, yeah, and I banged my head against the wall trying to make something happen. And then I said, like, well, what am I doing? Maybe I need to look 
at something else. So it caused me to pivot and create locally. And I'm so elated about that. I was going to say that in and of itself is another silver lining that you're now producing these in Canada. It is. And here's the thing, the full circle thing is like I was born and raised in Montreal. My mom worked in the garment industry and there was a certain street that all the, the major garment in, like brands worked on. It was called Chabanel. And full circle, that is where my products are being produced. So when I go back there, it brings me back to my childhood and my early teen years. And it's like, oh my gosh, I am doing something here now. It was just surreal and unexpected. So a huge silver lining. You are absolutely making a difference. What's next for Love and Nudes? I just came out with the next, the a new collection that I couldn't get produced. <laughs> so I just launched that for pre-ordering um, in all the skin tone colors, in the different nude skin tone colors that represent the, the world's diversity. And um, just growing the, the, the business and uh, my distribution for Love and Nudes in 2022 and just bringing more brand awareness. Yeah, because it's like, I want people to own their tone. <laughs> well, we want people to own their tone here at what she said as well. So I want them to find you uh, because I'm in love with Love and Nudes. So where do people connect with you and find out more? Uh, you can connect with uh, with me and Love and Nudes. That's www.loveandnudes with an S.com. Or you can reach, shout out on um, Instagram and social media at, at love and nudes. Okay. Thank you to Chantel Carter from Love and Nudes for joining me today. And thank you to our sponsor, RBC. RBC is here to support you through digital first solutions, advice, and services that go beyond banking to help realize your true potential. Because owning a small business takes something special. That's why RBC is behind you every step of the way. Visit rbc.com backslash business. It's time for Saturday Night at the Movies with Ann Brody, and we're going to race through a couple of can't-miss movies right now, and then we're going to share part of an interview Ann did with Gemma Whelan, who stars as a very dour London police detective sergeant, Sarah Collins. She's trying to solve the mysterious deaths of a policeman and a young refugee who fell from an apartment block roof. The deeper she digs, the more she finds a web of police corruption and she faces sexism to boot. All right, Anne, what do you got for us? We're going to jump in real quick. Okay, I got Meryl Streep, Timothée Chalamet, Leonardo DiCaprio starring in Delft Look Up. Now, this is a, a kind of a funny thing. Some scientists realize that, they, that the Earth is in danger of being hit. Um, there's a comet coming, a very destructive comet. Nobody really pays that much attention because comets are always coming, right? Um, so they decide to go on a media tour <laughs> to talk about it, to get people aware. Unreal. So, you know. It, it, this is a this is an all-star cast that I'm looking at. No like, kidding. Looking and at Jennifer all Lawrence. Cast and, oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's great. Kate Blanchett. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. 
Well, life is so crazy now, isn't it? I guess it just reflects what we're living in. Well, I want to talk about Lea Sedu, that fantastic French actor. She stars in something called France, and she plays a TV news anchor living in Paris who it just has the run of the, of the city. You know, she, it's very telling. She's at a press conference with uh, President Macron, actual news archives that they use and cut in. And uh, she just giggles and has fun with people around it. You don't do that at news conferences. That's how powerful she is. So she uh, is dropping her child off at school and she isn't looking where she's driving. She hits a young man and she's canceled. You know, it's cancel culture. She's canceled. So she tries to figure out what to do with her life. She heads out to a sanitarium up in the mountains and people are all over her. There's no privacy for her. But her journey is absolutely stunning. Uh, she is such a great actress. And she handles this complicated mindset of this woman in such a real way. Uh, it, it just enchanted me, the film. So that's a real must-see. It's called France. Okay. And we, we don't have about 30 seconds. And what's the next one you want to recommend people can't miss? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you won't believe Sandra Bullock in Netflix, The Unforgivable. Just been released for 20 years in prison for murdering a cop. So it's about her journey back. It's about her trying to find her sister who was taken away from her that day. And there's a real twist at the end. But you've never seen Sandra Bullock like this. And as a matter of fact, I heard her on a, a TV interview in the States, and she says she's never going to do drama again. She's going to go back to comedy because I guess it's Maybe this was obviously watching it. She really went down on it, down market, you know, blue. <laughs> so it's worthy. All right. Well, you've got these three plus a lot more over on what she said talk.com. We're going to jump to your interview right now with Gemma Whelan. And you also have an article up on what she said talk.com about that as well, correct? Yes, indeed. Lots for you. All right. Thanks, Anne. We'll see you next week. I saw the character that you play, Detective Collins, in The Tower. She's she's dour. She's sensible. She's gritty. She's no nonsense. And then I read afterwards that you're a renowned comedian and dancer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I suppose I came from a comedy background, a dancing comedy background. And um, by a certain avenues have managed to find myself uh, in serious gritty dramas which is great nice to have a variety well it shows how it shows your versatility so well done okay. well, very well done thank you now detective collins is part of a new breed of of uh, female law enforcement exec bosses executives uh, you know uh, your patron saint being vera um so you know these but they have so much still to overcome, as we see in the series. There's sexism. There's, um, uh, you know, constant baiting by maybe jealous uh, male colleagues, shall we say. Mm -hmm. um, how does she cope with this? We, I see her as uh, sensible and, and she keeps her mouth closed and she doesn't get angry. But how does she deal with her inside with that? Um, I think she does manage to have the last word with with certain people she comes across, particularly um, Bailey in the last scene of episode three. She certainly she certainly have, has the last word there with him, and she has some 
comebacks. But I think she's so married to her job and so clear about, you know, getting a result from her job that she's sort of, it's water off a duck's back to her, these foolish men with their foolish ideas. She, I think she feels like she's better than that, better than engaging with that. She doesn't need to. She knows her truth and she's there to do her job. And if she can get sort of the last word or a, a, a retort in at any point, she will. But that's not her priority. Her priority is solving the case. And I think, you know, yeah. certain things about Sarah, like what one thing we don't know about her that's in the books is that she um, has a sister who died. And so I feel like, you know, there could be a part of her that's sort of a bit switched off and a bit dedicated to um, justice and sort of her clarity and her sort of A to B on that is maybe stronger than her need to address these men in a gaslighting way. Yeah, yes. she rises above it um, and she's fearless. She, yeah. she doesn't fear retaliation. I admire her so much. Well, she, well, she can hold her own, can't she? She can certainly hold her own. And she knows that she's very good at her job, which I think is great, a great role model for people to see that, like, you know, women should know their job and should know, you know, that they're good at it. And that's not something that you should apologise for. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. In October of 2018, cannabis became legal in Canada and an entire industry was born. My next guest had a passion for science, food, and beverage innovation, but never suspected her education would lead her to the C-suite at Molecule Inc., a cannabis beverage producer located in eastern Ontario. Becky Griffin is the chief innovation officer at Molecule and is not only shattering glass ceilings, but she's also tearing down some myths about cannabis as well. She joins me now to share her journey and some of the opportunities there are for women in cannabis. Welcome to the show, Becky. Thank you, Candice, for having me. So I suspect that when you were a little girl, you didn't dream you'd wake up uh, and be working in the cannabis industry. So what led you to this, this point in your life? It took me a while to figure out what I was passionate enough about to want to spend my whole life doing. And food was something that I've always gravitated to. I've always been around home-cooked meals, um, just food had my passion. So I entered a field in the culinary world. I was a pastry chef. I was a chef. I realized those hours didn't work for me. I decided, you know what, I'm going to dream big. And I had huge dreams of starting a dietary-focused restaurant. So started my journey into health sciences and then discovered this program called Culinary Innovation Food Technology, which would bridge my culinary skills with the, my science skills and, and really utilize it. And around that time, I had a lot of mentors and they said, you should look into the cannabis industry. And I said, okay, you know, that's good to know, but okay. And as time progressed, I realized Working with craft beer, working with wine, working with small to medium-sized enterprises, trying to really start off, it was a big passion I had, working from the ground up. 
Um, and so when cannabis was legalized and then cannabis 2.0 was going to be legalized, it was definitely the avenue for me because it incorporated everything I love, food, beverage, and science. And it also was going to be a spot where I could really start at the same level as everyone else and try and propel myself to not have to try to shatter decades of, of already set out um, C-suite levels and management. Everyone coming in with the same skills was going to be given the same opportunities. And that's really why I looked at the cannabis industry. So when you're testing out new products, like what does that involve for you? I mean, do you have to, do you test out cannabis as well? Or is it flavors and then cannabis later? Like how does that all work for you? So the trick is knowing what your cannabis input is first. So you need to know how it is going to affect the product. So is there a flavor change? Is there an appearance change? You know, or is there any negative qualities that your cannabis input is going to offer? And ours tastes great. We can virtually add it to almost any beverage and you're not going to know cannabis is in it. So I really focus in on the base product and the ideation of creating something that really resonates with people and then adding that cannabis aspect to it. Um, We're in early stages right now where people aren't familiar with cannabis beverages. And I feel it's very important to get that base product, that ready to drink product and make people feel comfortable with an avenue of trying a new experience. So it's really the base product and the cannabis input, and then adding them together at the end. I mean, I think we all have years and years of stereotypes built up in our head when it comes to cannabis. I mean, I can't help but think of just Jeff Spigoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High whenever I think of it. (laughs) So what are some of the biggest myths uh, and stereotypes you're trying to shatter uh, with cannabis beverages? So it's an option. Um, You're the myth out there is stoners are lazy, they're dirty, and they're not functioning members of society. Not true, not true, not true. Um, let's let's take a look at what other avenues that people have to do to relieve stress. And I think cannabis beverages, they're appropriate. I mean, I consume them in my personal time, uh, for sure. And it gives me that moment of relaxation. I still can function. I can still do everything that I'm normally doing. And I feel like it's just an enhancement to the day to day when I when I enjoy them. So, yeah. Okay. So what are some of the challenges then that you're facing right now in the industry as you are growing this? Because this is a relatively new industry. So one of the biggest challenge is the educating the consumers that number one, this is an option. Number two, it is not intimidating. It should not be an intimidating process uh, for people to be purchasing and and sampling and discovering whether cannabis beverages are right for them. They're not going to be right for everyone, but let's not make that initial process of people trying to figure out where to buy them or what's behind those dispensary doors. Like that's intimidating for a first time consumer. And I think From that point alone, people are a little nervous um, to even look at it as an alternative to, let's say, an alcoholic beverage. Um, I think education is really what's going to drive and and make this industry 
something where people recognize it as an option. So right now there's so many barriers in, in how you can communicate with the consumers. And I think we really need to be able to give people platforms where they're able to actually gain knowledge and understand the endocannabinoid system and understand that cannabis is not just reefer madness, um, what it should appear to be. It's really about educating and, and changing people's minds. We've done a huge disservice stopping research on cannabis plants for so many years. And now we're at this point where research that is being done, I truly think should have been done decades ago. So now we really need to do the research and educate um, the population as we're doing that research. So we're all on the same point and we can really just get rid of the stigma. It's interesting you say it, you talk about education. I, I did a, an interview earlier this year with Universum and they, they did a study and they said that 34% of students graduating university have a strong uh, interest in working in the cannabis industry. Uh, that's incredible, 34% of graduating students. So what kind of jobs could women be looking for in the cannabis industry right now? Any job. Um, that's really the cannabis industry. When you think of it, the, the sky's the limit. If the products have been created, if there is an avenue for a position in another alcohol uh, law, marketing, all of those, it's a new industry. We need all of those personnel, all of those uh, jobs. We need those to build this industry. And it's really the sky's the limit. If you can think of it, you can do it. So it is a regulated product. It needs regulatory officers in here. It needs quality. It needs lawmakers. It, and it's not just people within a facility. Um, such as Molecule, it's also at the Health Canada level, it's at the provincial level. So when you think about it, this is just new and there's, it's it's just a blank campus right now and we can make it whatever we want. And innovation will really drive growth and and promote more opportunity for more positions. But when I look at the college and university programs out there, Almost all of them can be applied to the cannabis industry if you look hard enough. Okay, so what's next for Molecule then? Uh, are you going to continue with beverages or do you plan to expand into other uh, ventures? As research comes out, we're definitely beverage focused first. This is really where we want to be. So right now, um, THC and CBD are our main drivers in our beverages. We're going to look at minor cannabinoids. We're going to look and we're going to follow research. So. Beverages will always be what is most near and dear to us because it's social. It's something that you can truly enjoy for, for more than just a minute. Um, um, so that's really where we are. And then we're also looking at topicals. We're looking at other products out there. And that's when I say that you really, if you can ide ideate it, you can do whatever you want here. So um, I'm just waiting for a good idea to come in my head with something that I've never even thought of before. And we're going to apply cannabis to it. So we're going to we're going to make new products for the market. And we're just going to look and listen and, and try and create things that resonate with consumers. All right. So if people are interested in checking out Molecule or perhaps applying for a job with your company, uh, where can they find out more about you? Uh, you can find us at uh, molecule.ca. 
Um, if you want to have more information about me personally, you can find me on my LinkedIn profile, which would be connected to our molecule. Um, we will have um, social avenues and websites attaching our website to all of our brands. So we can really help consumers find products that resonate with them. So Molecule, we're offering cannabis culture, we're offering wellness, we're offering coffee, we're offering mocktails. So um, go to our website. Um, it's under construction right now. But if you if you come mid-January to February, there should be um, definitely a lot for you to check out. And that we will be offering that educational piece too to help eliminate that intimidation factor that some people may have with with cannabis. All right. Incredible. Becky, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Thank you for having me. Take care, Candace. We are all feeling the squeeze financially with inflation soaring and supply chain issues driving prices higher. Thankfully, my next guest, Kathleen Cassidy, is here to help. An extreme couponer, freebie lover, and a financial friend to all, Kathleen runs a living on a loony on social media. Every week, she takes us through tips and tricks of how to save money in Canada and even get stuff for free, my favorite F word. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Why did you start this account? Have you always been what I would call a bargain Betty? Uh, I would say yes, honestly. Even from a young age, coupons always fascinated me, which is definitely weird. Um, but definitely the financial hardships of going to university and realizing how expensive the world is really made me an extreme couponer. So how would you define extreme? Give me an example. Uh, I love to get tons of stuff for free. A lot of the times, even if I don't necessarily use it myself, I will still get it if it's free and then donate it or give it to others who can use that product. Um, but I love getting basically anything for free. If you want to you know, pay me to take something out of the store 100%, what better deal is there than that? Um, I, I really love that you said you give back um, can you explain to me how you do that with couponing? Yes. So again, a lot of couponing you can do and you can get stuff for super cheap or completely free. So one of my favorite things to do is donate within my community. A lot of different shelters you can work with within your area, whether it's a food shelter, a homeless shelter, uh, there's lots of different organizations within your community you can connect with. A lot of the time they have standard lists that they can outline for you of what the shelters need. And sometimes, you know, they'll kind of take everything and definitely find a place and a person in need for it. What are you seeing right now? Are there any great deals out there right now that as we approach the holidays that you would like to let people know about? Definitely. Always great deals. I would say, especially in terms of toiletry products, those are something you can normally always coupon for, whether that's toothpaste, conditioner, toothbrushes, anything that is a toiletry item. Great stocking stuffers are great. Uh, and a lot of food deals as well. Do you think there is a renewed interest in couponing now with the economy being the way it is? I definitely think for sure. Uh, people, you know, their money is getting stretched further the prices keep going up, but your paycheck doesn't always reflect that. So I think for sure that people are trying to find savvy ways to earn money. 
and how to keep it in their pocket more. So I think couponing is a great element. You don't just have to use paper coupons. There's a lot of electronic deals out there nowadays as well that people are taking advantage of. Uh, that was actually what I, I, I did want to ask you about that. So where are the best places to find uh, coupons. So I would say if you're looking for normal coupons, a lot of grocery stores and drug stores have them for sure. Um, but a lot of people, like I just said, are turning electronically. So there's cashback apps such as Checkout 51, Cattle, and Eclipsa. Those are great places. If you're looking to kind of earn money right away, I definitely recommend price matching. There's flyer apps that have it all on your phone, such as Flip or Rebe. And you can do that at select stores such as No Frills or Real Canadian Superstore. So do you think there's a misconception about couponing then? I think for sure. I think, you know, um, presenting myself on social media, you definitely get some feedback. And I think, you know, my main message out there is to not worry about what others think. At the end of the day, it's your money. And if you're being smart by using coupons or cashback apps or price matching to keep that money in your pocket, why wouldn't you want to do that? If you have a little bit of extra time, effort, honestly, couponing and saving money is a great hobby. And then I have a bunch of leftover money that I didn't spend on groceries to go do things that I want with my friends and family. Okay, you have a number one tip for people to start saving money in Canada. What is that? Honestly, I think my number one tip is that you learn by seeing and doing. So there's tons of great resources online, tons of great social media pages, YouTube content, and articles online that just want to help people save money. A lot of people post this, whether it's on social channels or red flag deals. And if you're looking to save money, you need to start to understand how to do that. And the best way is by seeing what people are doing and mimicking those deals yourself. Are there groups that, um, so where people actually swap coupons or swap deals? Yes. So we see a lot of groups like that on social media where we share deals um, publicly. There's also like coupon trading groups specifically on outlets such as Facebook. And I would say, again, Red Flag Deals has been around for forever almost, it feels like, but another great place to definitely pick up on some deals and see what's happening, where you can get stuff for free and where you can save money. I follow you on social media. Uh, so I have been watching all of your great tips at all of the stores and you seem to be out everywhere uh, flagging them for people. But I want people to be able to find you uh, themselves. So where can they connect with you? Yes, on Instagram and TikTok, Living on a Looney there. Those are mostly where I break down our deals of the week. And then I'm also on Facebook as well. Okay, thank you very much for joining me today, Kathleen. Thank you again. with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. average life expectancy for women in Canada is now 84, which means we are living longer and longer. With that added time to our life, though, it's important we ensure we are maximizing our health. Chloe Richardson is a health enthusiast focused on whole body preventative aging, working with Jevity Life Science and Body Comp Imaging to enable the public to feel supported and empowered in living a quality-filled life for generations to come. She joins me now to share why health is our true wealth. Welcome to the show, Chloe. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me. So tell me, what are the pillars of health that we should all be focusing on? Okay, great question. So, so when it comes to health, there's not one, one aspect that we should solely focus on. It's truly encompassing several things. These are sleep, great quality sleep. That is movement, how we choose to move on a daily basis, making it fun. Exercise doesn't have to be terrible, but movement is truly so important. Then there's food, the quality of the food and what we nourish our bodies with really matters for the long term of our health. And then finally, that mental well-being. It's become so apparent over the last 18 months, especially with what everyone has gone through, that that mental well-being aspect is crucial. Community is crucial to our health and the happiness that we have long term. When it comes to women and aging, I feel personally that we focus a lot on things like Botox and fillers and anti-aging creams, which are not really going to add to our quality of life in any way. Uh, what do you uh, tell people when it comes to this sort of, uh, I guess, anti-aging actions or steps that they take? So you're absolutely right. A lot of the focus had on women particularly has been vanity. And that isn't where we come from as a standpoint from Jevity. We are about the quality of life. We are about inspiring health, having fun with health, but including that quality. So when it comes to preventative aging, that is a whole body experience. That is allowing us to meet our great grandchildren through nourishing our body, through movement and taking action and responsibility in ways that we can do. We're so fortunate these days with the access of health care, professionals, research, technology. We really want to encompass that and inspire and empower people to, to utilize those for, for the greater good. It's, it's about living better, but it's about living longer too. So you say that what can be measured can be managed. So what Absolutely. do you measure and how do you, how do you measure it? That's great. So you're absolutely right. Whatever can be measured can be managed. And this comes into every aspect of life. More importantly, finding out where we're at, our baseline, our health baseline as individuals. So with Jevity, we, we measure in many different ways from trackable devices, um, which counts your steps, your um, movement, your workouts but also focusing on VO2 max. This is a key indicator of health that is often bypassed, much like body composition. So with Jevity, we work with body comp imaging. And what that does is it creates a body composition scan using a DEXA scan of the gold standard. And this is able to identify the different disposition of everyone's body. So body fat percentage, their lean muscle mass, their bone density, and especially as women, as we age and we go through menopause, there is, we are more susceptible to weakening of bones. And this is really important for us to understand and to take preventative action 
before we get any consequences. It's great to be able to have all this data, but of course, if you don't know what to do with it, there's not much point. So do you then help people develop a roadmap uh, once they have the data in their hands going forward? Yeah, so absolutely. With, with data, you're absolutely right. It's pointless if we don't know what to do with it. So with Jevity, we want to create a community that you have accessibility to services, professionals, education. With the, the measurements, what we can do is we can create a roadmap, a plan, and that truly is how we get progress. When we know where we are and where we want to be, it makes it much easier to create that plan of getting there. All right. I'm sure a lot of women are probably canceling their Botox appointments and maybe considering booking an appointment with you right now. So if they want to find out more about Jevity and uh, body comp imaging, where can they go? Absolutely. So you can visit our website, www.jevity.com, and that's Jevity, J-E-V-I-T-T-Y. And you can also visit bodycomp, bodycomp.ca, and we are on Facebook and Instagram with the handle at Bodycomp Imaging. And we'd love to help you out and answer any questions. All right. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chloe. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast. But we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.